in a few seconds, I'm going to read a, um, a passage out of Corinthians that we use for communion. And there's a phrase in there that's bothered me. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, it says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I would prefer that to say you proclaim the Lord's resurrection. And I've been chewing on this for several years, um, just kind of going, why did he go that route? And then if you read the, in the first part of this book, he also says, I want to know Christ and him crucified. And Jesus Christ, him crucified. And again, I'm going, I'm more about the resurrection. I'm not just into the death, you know, that was, that was a bad deal, but resurrection, that's, that's what I'm about, you know, coming back from the dead. And uh, so I've been, this is something that's, you know, for me, who makes a living speaking, but also feels a responsibility to preach truth, it's when you get hung up on something like this, you don't just necessarily let it go, but I haven't had an answer for it for a long time. And uh, I think through this Easter season, I, I realized that the sacrificial system that the Jews had participated in, something that's so far past us that when we talk about sacrifice, it, it's in a completely different sense. It's about um, giving time and energy to something. It's about uh, <laughs> if you're playing sports and you want to send somebody to block someone who's unblockable, they're the sacrificial lamb, and it's a joke. You know, it's, there's humor in this sacrificial lamb idea. And, uh, and yet, there's a base that was laid down through the centuries that's really valuable if we understand what it was. And it's like having the, an appropriate foundation for the house. Now, in my home, I go to the basement when I have to. But uh, that's not where we live. We live upstairs. And in some ways, the resurrection is generally where we live. But this, this base is extremely important. And... You know, for several thousand years, they had practiced sacrifice. And the imagery that is contained in it for me is that it was like sharing a meal together with God. And when they were burning things up, because it was all open fire, it was almost like this thing of going from seen to unseen. It, it was imagery, but it still had a dynamic of saying, this is... This is almost like it's, it's going to God. You know, and in the Passover meal, they were told, you're to burn the sacrifice up completely after you've had this meal. Whatever's left over is supposed to be burned up entirely. And so in a sense, it was, a disip it was going to the unseen. And their drink offerings, they would be poured out. And again, it sinks into the soil, it's gone, never to be seen again. And there's another dynamic with this even of when they were making a sacrifice, the aroma 
was something they could smell. And, and so with their own senses, they were aware of something, but they couldn't see it. And so there was a beauty all tied to this of this is part of our interaction with God. And the Passover itself was very specific. In their deliverance from Egypt, they were told on a specific night that they were to sacrifice, they were to gather inside their houses, sacrifice a lamb, they'd have a meal of that lamb, and then they would burn up the rest. But they would take the blood from the lamb and paint it on the doorposts of their house. Be a little freaky if we try that today, right? It's a different age. Not weird, just different from what we're used to. But they were identifying themselves and saying, we are participating and trusting God to deliver us. And in a sense, we're coming into a household and relationship with him, sharing a meal. And that's our protection from death this night. The beauty of it is that it worked. And, and so they, for 1,400 years, had participated in a memory, a festival that declared our God delivered us this night. A lamb was sacrificed, and we went into the household with God, so to speak, and he protected us from death. And so, in some ways, they were, Jesus was walking through that meal and that memory with them, that festival. And he was saying, I'm now that lamb. You eat my body, you drink my blood, you participate with me, and you will become a part of my household, so to speak. And you have the protection through death from your sin, all that's entailed in that. And, and so even though we don't participate in sacrificial system now, we don't, uh, we have a hard enough time even making this seem to work for us. You know, the, the symbolism is complicated, right? But what we do is we build on what's been laid out for us. And the fact that they had walked through this for, like I say, 1,400 years, and then at the exact time, Jesus is going to be on the cross. And he's saying in this Passover supper, you know, drink this. That my, this is my blood being poured out for the forgiveness of sins of many. So what's he saying? He's saying, when my side is pierced, there's an opportunity for all of you to be forgiven of your sin. And so the Son of God, who's being sacrificed on the cross, you know, it's not, it wasn't just a lamb, it wasn't just a person, but the Son of God is making a declaration that every one of us has opportunity for our sins to be forgiven. If you don't understand the bad news of your own sin and your own failure and your own shortcomings, then you're never going to understand the principle of the new life that is offered to you and the restoration that's available. 
But what we participate in and what we celebrate, even in the Easter and the resurrection, is also connected deeply to the cross. Um, I have some friends that got into a, a thing called cross immersion. And quite honestly, I tried to be respectful, but I just didn't get it for the longest time. And yet, when I read these passages from Paul, I want to know Jesus Christ and the power and his crucifixion. I'm going, there's something that's short in my theology. There's something that I haven't embraced fully enough or I'm not giving enough credence to. If Paul saw it as important, I need to have it important in my life as well. It's not just moving on and saying, it's a new day, let's just live upstairs. But let's recognize the foundations of what we're a part of as well. So let's, out of the Corinthians, when he was working with them on, on their celebration, so to speak. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we partake of the emblem of his broken body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Partake of the emblem. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You celebrate that he died that you might live again. You celebrate that his death paid the price to walk us through death into eternity. Praise to the Lord. I'm going to share just a f briefly a few other things. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So he makes this declaration. He says, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we would be the most miserable of people. The fact that he rose from the dead is giving a, an understanding that there was more than what we normally anticipate with life. And he's saying when he comes to earth and he's forgiving sins and then he's doing miracles and he's saying, well, so that you know that I have power to forgive sins, I'm going to heal this guy as well. Remember the paralytic? You know, first declarations, your sins are forgiven and everybody's going, what is he doing? What is he saying? Why is he talking like that? And then he goes on and says, well, yeah. Let's just heal him so that you're convinced that there's more going on here. You know, and, and he raises him up. In the same way, the, the going to the cross is the recognition that he came to earth to forgive sins. John the Baptist's first statement when he sees Jesus coming to the river, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Again, that's not a comment that you and I would ever make. And we have no contact with sheep, could care less about them. 
uh, you know, it, uh, the lamb that takes away sin, again, you'd have to have that heritage of sacrifice to even know what they're talking about. But John, John sees him and it gets a prophetic glimpse and understands in that moment what the ministry of Jesus is going to be. He says, this is the perfect sacrifice. This is the one come to earth so that our sins might be forgiven. And he sees him and just makes that declaration. And so when Jesus is on the cross, there is a recognition that, yes, he's going to rise again to new life, and he's going to show the power that no one else has. But he came here to forgive sins as well. The, the two are intimately tied together. You don't have relationship with God without your sin being set aside. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, it only took one sin, eating a piece of fruit. And that was enough for God to say, we're going to separate here. Because he's perfect. He does everything right. He, de- he has no tolerance in him for sin. You know how it is when somebody comes in the house and they haven't had a shower and they're stinky, and you just go, you know, go take care of yourself, and then we'll talk. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> it, it's the same way, in a sense, with God's sight. Our sin is a stench. Doesn't want to have that in his house. But he's made provision for us to be cleaned. He's the one that took the step to provide for us. He's the one that, like the parent with the child, takes care of the child so they can live with them, so to speak. And, and so that said, he did what we couldn't do in going to the cross and then rising to new life, showing us that he truly was exerting power over death. Just like... The Passover had done all those years ago. His resurrection is showing that death doesn't even hold us in the way that we would think. I, I, I want to jump from there to one other thing. So we've just briefly said that the crucifixion is important, the resurrection is important. But what stirs my heart during this resurrection season when I was reading the stories again is that Jesus, even though his disciples didn't get it, and even though they didn't figure it out, and he had told them over and over, the Last Supper is is crazy. They're arguing about who's the greatest, even at the Last Supper. (laughs) That's messed up. He's been discipling them for years. One of them's a thief. Gone. There's another one. They're, they're bickering among themselves. And, and he's telling them stuff, and they're going, uh, no, no just, just show us the Father. It, it'll all be good. They just don't get it. And then in, in, in the crucifixion process, they, they flee. And the, and the one that hung around the longest, in a sense, was Mary. She, she, uh, Mary Magdalene was... You know, they're at the cross till the end. She, she sees where the bodies went, put. She goes back 
and is looking to help take care of And she's the first one to see Jesus. And she doesn't recognize him, but he calls out to her and she says, teacher. And he goes, I, I, you know, you can't cling to me right now. We're not done with this, but it's, uh, he, he reveals himself to her. And then, then you have the disciples in, in an upper room, and most of them anyway, and the doors are locked. They're afraid. And suddenly Jesus shows up and says, peace. You know? And then you can tell it's a guy writing the book. They were all glad. <laughs> a lot of detail. <laughs> That's all it says. They were glad. I'm sure they were. Now, Thomas wasn't there, and he, he gets a little snarky. You know, he goes, if, if I don't put my finger in his side, I'm not believing it. You know, and that's, you know, that's reasonable in some ways, but it's also, what, you don't trust us? Uh, you don't believe that he would rise from the dead? Tomb's empty. But a week later, or eight days later, um, Jesus shows up again and Thomas is there. And he says, Thomas, go ahead. Put your finger in my side. And Thomas goes, my Lord and my God. He gets it. He just gets it. You know, now, it, this, the... Peter going fishing with the group. It's almost as if, you know, when you've all been pressing for something and it doesn't work out the way you thought and it begins to unravel. You know, and different ones start drifting away or just going back to the default setting where it seems safe. You know, Peter, I'm going fishing. And others, you know, they're, they're just, they haven't put it together. Jesus keeps keeps after him. And finally he's with them and when he ascends into heaven and, and they're, they spend the time in prayer, they, they, they have enough to say there's something powerful here and we don't know the full picture yet. But they, they, he kept after them and with them until they got it and that gives me great hope. Gives me great hope. For the times when I'm going when I'm looking at verses like with his death, you know, he's going, I'll give you some insight. <laughs> but it, it's in our, our weakness and our failure, our loving God reached out to forgive us, but he continues to reach out in restoration and building us up. What an honor and a privilege that is. May your blessing rest in this group and may there be a confidence of forgiveness for all sin. For the one that cries out to you and says, I don't know if you'll do this again, convince their hearts even in this moment. And for the one that's struggling with life and saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through, I don't even know how to hear God. Let them know with certainty that you are watching over their life. 
and caring and will provide all that's necessary. We thank you so much that you reached out. We thank you that in this Easter season, we have the privilege of again reviewing what's been done and acknowledging that you are present with us today to continue that work. Amen. Just a minute, I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended worship. Stay as long as you would desire. Um, if you need to get some things settled today, that you're just saying, I'm not at peace with God, then I encourage you to find someone that you trust. Or if uh, you don't know anyone here, just it's easiest if you come forward, somebody will come pray with you. But let's just uh, settle what needs to be done and acknowledge the privilege of what we have in Christ through his death and resurrection. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the power of your crucifixion and resurrection. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.